Hello, Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Herstory, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Today, I have with me Stan, my personal barber, who was your least favorite rug rat? Um, I'm going to have to go with Dill. 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 Oh, he was a weird addition. Um, he just wasn't, he wasn't the best. He just didn't fit with the whole, um, with the group, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. They had, they all had their own dynamics and he just came in too late and didn't, he was like, <laughs> wasn't even like a wild card character. He was just like, just a, an, he was infant, there. Infant. He was Tommy's brother. <laughs> I liked, I liked, um, I liked Susie. Susie Carmichael was great. Susie Carmichael, yes. <laughs> she was great. What? She was so She funny. was such a good foil character to Angelica, because Angelica was like, I'm going to boss these kids around, and Susie, Susie would come around, like... she'd be like, what are you doing? And then the kids would be like, yeah, what are you doing? Angelica's like, darn it. All right, fine. <laughs> so she's like, why do I have to come and say that? Oh, my god. No, she's great. That's a good choice. This is now our Rugrats podcast. <laughs> Rugrats review recap. We should do recap episodes. Okay, Nickelodeon, <laughs> you hear that? We're, we're, we're willing and ready. You know, they have their own series, a new one coming down. I know, up. I know. All grown it's down. It's going to be weird. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. It'll be fine. <laughs> her story. Let's talk about women. <laughs> For today's herstory lesson, we are going to be learning about Beatrice Hill Tinsley, a.k.a. the Queen of the Cosmos. Ooh. We're going to do a timeline of her life first, and then we're going to circle back and talk a bit more in depth-ish about the science of it all. So just in case you guys are wondering, like, why is she just doing bullet points of her life? Because I didn't know how to work in the science as okay. we did the bullet points. Okay. So right. that's I'm, the plan. I'm ready for the, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm Let's strapped in it. for the ride. Let's go. To the sky. <laughs> to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Right? That mm-hmm. too. That too. Pixar. Pixar. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now we just need a Disney reference and yeah. we've hit the trifecta. And Hamilton. Oh boy. <laughs> Quote. For the mind wants to discover by reasoning what exists in the infinity of space that lies out there beyond the ramparts of this world. Born in 1941 in Chester, England, to parents Jean and Edward Hill, Beatrice was the second of three girls. The family relocated to New Zealand after World War II in search of a parish as her father was an aspiring priest. Beatrice had always been a curious, fearless child with a continuous quest for understanding the world, not just around her, but beyond her. At the age of 14, she declared that she was going to be an astrophysicist. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a very, it's an impressive thing to want to be at an early age. Good for her. 14, That's she's awesome. like, guess what I'm going to do? I love those ambitions. <laughs> she really, like, she went above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. In 1961, at just age 20, Beatrice graduated from the University of Canterbury in New Zealand with a master's in physics. 20, and she graduated with a master's. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't she's... even the master at tying shoes. She was getting, <laughs> like, a master's degree. Yeah. Master's degree. She's That's incredible. Incredible. Oh, my goodness. And this is, you know, no big deal or anything, but she graduated with first-class honors. Wow. (laughs) I mean, that just shows how dedicated she was to, you know, achieving her goal. How freaking smart she was. Yeah. Man. It was here that she met and married a fellow classmate, Brian Tinsley. 
Now, unbeknownst to her, this meant that she couldn't work at the university while he was employed there because that's how life was during that time. Mm. If your husband worked there, you couldn't work there. So messed up. Dumb. So stupid. Brian was offered a job in Dallas, Texas, and the couple decided to take the journey across the world to live in the Big D. Brian's job was at the Southwest Center for Advanced Studies, which is now the University of Texas at Dallas, and he was there to work in spectroscopy. Beatrice found this environment stifling. She was treated as a faculty wife, not a scientist in her own right, and apparently caused a bunch of Southern ladies to clutch their pearls and bless her heart when she refused to follow a custom of hosting a faculty tea. Oh. Yeah, they were like, oh, she caused such a stir among the other, you know, married women. She's like, we're, she's like I'm not here for hosting do. tea. Yeah. This, this isn't, is... like, totally fine if that's what you want to do. Like, live your dreams, but don't make me do it. And yeah. don't make me feel bad for not wanting to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not one to take anything lying down. Beatrice enrolled at the University of Texas at Austin to work on her PhD as the only woman in the astronomy program. I mean, wow. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it, that's yeah. great that she she's representing, though, but mm-hmm. I wish there yeah. was more. I know. I wish there was more opportunity for their endowment. She, like, felt like she had to be out of that city, you know, to have opportunity and for our for our international listeners who don't know just how big texas really is very small it takes 12 hours to drive from the louisiana border to the new mexico border and that's without stopping for food or gas so ut at austin is 200 miles away or about 322 kilometers from dallas so that's a long journey that's a long way away and what she would do is she would fly to austin on tuesday and then take a bus back to dallas on friday that's dedication that (laughs) i have never known yet in my life (laughs) and that's all the more commendable on her part Mm -hmm. because i don't i don't know who would do that like i don't know anyone personally that would do that right now yeah maybe you but (laughs) like other than other than you you are cyborg. Hey, you, don't it, spoil in, my secret to no, everyone. The, well, I mean, it, you will kind of like, you know, like Terminator, <laughs> but like the robot mom in Smart House. Oh, oh, she's kind of scary. What are you saying about She's me? tough. What are you talking about? Those kids <laughs> need a tough, tough love. Ryan Merriman need a tough love. <laughs> we did bring it to Disney. You know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beatrice is on some otherworldly level because she started her PhD in the study of evolution of the universe in 1964, and she finished it two years later in 1966. Just so you know, that is one third of the time that it usually takes someone to complete a PhD in the United States. She accomplished so much. Can you imagine? Like, like, what? So early on. So many accolades. Crazy. Two years for a P in something like astrophysics. Wait, what? What? Oh my god. She was determined. Not only did she finish in a flash, but Beatrice received essentially perfect academic records. And yet she was continually not taken seriously, especially as a married woman. 
She was repeatedly excluded from permanent work despite her insane credentials. Like, I can promise you she was, like, definitely more qualified probably than the other people. So, mm-mm-mm. uh of course, absolutely. She, she even won the Annie J Cannon Award in astronomy for her work on galaxy evolutions, but Texas universities wouldn't bite. Then, 1968 rolled around, and after frustrating struggles with infertility, Beatrice and Brian adopted a child, and soon thereafter, they adopted a second. You said 68, mm-hmm. and she was born in 41. Mm-hmm. Not even 30. Yeah. And she's done this much. Yeah, yeah. I need to do, like, one of the things she's done, like, <laughs> partially. Not even, in like, her, like, in, like, parallel to, like, what she's doing in, like, my field. Or, like, mm-hmm. yeah. That, yeah. just to feel like I've done something that's, like, mm-hmm. even a little bit. She's, mm-hmm. she's incredible. She's insane. For the next five years, Beatrice put on the hat of stay-at-home mother. Brian Strom took him around the world for academic seminars, colloquia, and consultation. And in 1973, an opportunity arose putting our Beatrice in an incredibly tough position. Yale was calling, and she could have a position there, but at what cost? For so many years, Beatrice had always played second fiddle to her husband, who, sure, was an incredible scientist, but so was Beatrice. Finally, there was an opportunity for her to do what she had always wanted to do, what she had spent so many years studying for. Brian and Beatrice together came to the agreement to start divorce proceedings. Next came the second level of difficulty. What about her children? On the one hand, she could take the children with her to Yale, but this would mean uprooting them from their entire support system, friends, family, their home, everything they've known. Or she could leave them with her husband and only be able to see them on scant occasions as her vacation time would allow. After a few trial runs with leaving her soon-to-be ex-husband with the children for somewhat lengthy periods, Beatrice decided that her children would be just fine without her daily presence and left them in Brian's care. In 1974, Beatrice arrived at Yale as an assistant professor and so began the next chapter of her life. In 1977, with the help of colleague Richard Larson, the two organized a conference on the evolution of galaxies and stellar populations, a subject so near to her heart that that's what her dissertation was about in the first place. I mean, it's it's unfortunate, right? Because you know she didn't want to... You know, um, she didn't want to leave them. Yeah, but at the same time, it's I, I totally understand not mm-hmm. wanting to live in like you know a shadow of some you know, and I think or it, to feel like maybe she didn't accomplish right. as much as she could. Have. And I think a big part of like the just agreement between she and Brian is he's like, I get it, I see it, I see that you have no opportunities in this situation. I can take care of them, and this is you know you, you know follow your heart, follow what. I fell in love with about you, you know? Um, I think he saw how brilliant she was. Yeah. You know, it's something where it's like, okay, like you, at some point, you know, when is it okay to say you've been able to travel the world, pursue your academic career this whole time and I haven't been able to, you know? And she's like, this opportunity is here and I don't want to uproot the children. I don't want to make you abandon your position 
And I think she just felt like removing herself from the equation was going to be the most healthy choice for everyone involved. Yeah. You know, which that takes so much strength. That's got to be so freaking hard. Beatrice became the first female professor of astronomy at Yale in 1978. First. First. I'm, you know, that's <laughs> these things kind of work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quote, there are people who take time to slowly develop their gifts and become the scientists they were meant to be, and others who explode out of the gate shouting their skill from the first moment they turn their brain to the tangles and wonders of the world, and Tinsley was decidedly the latter. This quote is from Dale Debsky. I'm obsessed with his writing. <laughs> I came across this um, journal that he uh writes a lot for it's mm. actually like i think it's called like women you should know about it's really cool or something like that i might be misquoting but links to sources are always in uh, on our website just so you guys know in the most dreadful turn of events beatrice was diagnosed with melanoma and in february of 1977 she wrote a letter to her father letting him know that the doctors had found a lump on her leg for the next four years, she had many great days and many horrible days because cancer sucks. Wow. Sometimes she even seemed as though she was completely recovered and she pushed herself until the very end. She published over a hundred scientific papers during her academic career, which was decidedly short. She collaborated with observatories and colleagues about what our galaxies were really made of. Beatrice was the, quote, beating heart of the community who wanted to understand the universe through physics, chemistry, mathematics, computer modeling, and thorough dynamics. The astronomy community was greatly inspired by what she had said in her PhD and wanted her input whenever they could get it. They sent her papers for critique and invited her to conferences around the world. She worked with the graduate students and made sure that they were connected with experienced astronomers whose work truly matched up with their interests. What an incredible role model and, and figure in, mm-hmm. in that community. It's, it's that, and that is unfair, I feel like. And, mm. you know, like, for her, she had so much, you know, she started doing so much and then... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I know. Cancer I, sucks. That sucks. I hate that she It, like, makes sick. me want to cry this whole time. That's I'm, like, fighting so, through it. <laughs> she's, yeah, and she still worked hard after that, too. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Even after several operations, the cancer still spread to her organs and then to her brain. It was then that she lost the use of her right hand, oh my her dominant hand. She said, okay, fine. I'll just learn how to write with my left hand. There you go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. In her last letter to her father, she wrote, quote, I think of you a whole lot, not only on birthdays, and wish you strength and happiness in the coming days. I honestly don't think the length of life is important. Very much love from Beatrice. Oh, my goodness. She included a small drawing of a beetle, as that was her nickname as a child. That's... I know I'm breaking all your hearts right now. I'm sorry, guys. I like I just said that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awful. This is why I needed us to do bullet point before we could talk about the science. You know, I was like, we got to get to the sad part first. <laughs> Beatrice passed away at the age of just forty on March twenty third, nineteen eighty one. 
her last scientific paper that she submitted to the Astrophysical Journal 10 days before her death was published that November posthumously with zero revisions. <laughs> they, they said like, it was perfect. Yeah, they were this like, is, this Damn. is it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is, and, and, you know, that's such a good, that's such a nice show of respect, too, that they were like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, these are her words. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, even need to correct to a single thing. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Beatrice always spoke her mind and questioned everything. She was a classical violinist and played chamber and orchestral music. She spoke Latin and French, and she loved math. As a student, she reportedly sat in the back of classes so that she wouldn't be distracted while she was teaching herself more advanced mathematics that her classes didn't. (laughs) Uh, wow. Yeah. Right? What? She had, she was, she was like ahead of her time. Oh my God. She was like. Otherworldly. No wonder she was so interested in the cosmos. Because, oh my God. I have chills. (laughs) She was brilliant. Yes. Yes. The pace and work ethic that she innately had absolutely astounded those that she collaborated with. I can't imagine collaborating with someone like that and just, I I don't know that I would even say anything. I would be like, I would just yes everything she said. I would be in awe. <laughs> and every time I said something in response to what she said, I would think in my head, that sounds so stupid. <laughs> like, you sound so dumb. You sound so she's dumb. Like, she's you like, you are dumb. You are, yeah. You are really dumb. Yeah, yes. That is my <laughs> internal thought whenever I say something and she's looking at me. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. We only got four decades with her incredible mind. Who knows what else she could have discovered and uncovered about our galaxies. So now let's go back and let's chat some science. Beatrice helped unlock past and future galaxies. She realized that because galaxies are made of billions of stars, we can use what we know about the lives of stars to learn the history of galaxies. With this, you could calculate how galaxies look today, how they look over time, and how they originally formed their stars. This is, she's she's a genius. Literally. And I can't imagine what it was like to have that thought process back then when it wasn't just kind of like common knowledge right. or like pretty understandable yeah. or someone can explain it. Like if, if you are a person who is not of this mindset mm-hmm. and the capability to... Mm-hmm taken that information you have to be such a creative (laughs) mind too that's what's so interesting about her i think the fact that she was artistically inclined right helped her see things in a very different way than a lot of most of the community was Mm -hmm. viewing them yes beatrice calculated models for different types of galaxies all before computers could run on algorithms (laughs) what a thought i feel so weird i'm a product of my time yeah What Beatrice proposed affected the theories surrounding the Big Bang. By changing the standard method for calculating the distance to faraway galaxies, you could determine the size of the universe and the rate of expansion. I get that. And again, I just have to say... (laughs) That must have been such a silly scene to like to explain it to the first person who just didn't get it and then their mouths ajar are like, What did you just say? Well here's the kicker. This was all coming to her as a student. 
She was on another level. She pointed out to her professors that factors like how many chemical elements, mass of galaxy, and, and rate of star birth had all been overlooked in determining how fast a galaxy expanded. And then the teacher was like, well, if you're so smart, also, why don't you teach a class? Remember and then 10 that years later, she graduated when she was she 20, 20 initially. Yeah. So she's like 18, 19 being like, guys, um, let's chat for a you're not second. Even, you're not even doing science <laughs> you're right. You're not even considering these like, things. This is ridiculous. I'm about to be 20 with a master's. Now, all of this was to say that the universe was expanding and would continue to do so forever. And this contradicted the popular idea at the time of the big crunch. So Beatrice was undoubtedly the leading expert on how galaxies change over time. Mm -hmm. Before her, it was thought that galaxies of the same type would be similar in size, shape, and brightness. This was the information that they were using to calculate distance, but Beatrice showed them that they needed a lot more information. Sure. She was the one you would go to if you had a notion of a galaxy and universe, and she would be able to tell you what random chemical or physical interaction your model was probably missing. <laughs> I can't imagine. Everyone must have just like they had egg on their face so that they were coming up and asking Honestly, her. Honestly, that's like, why Yale was like, what? Uh, please come teach here. <laughs> please right over here. So Beatrice, you know a lot about space, seeing as you might be from space. Yes. What do yes, you know you about galaxies? She's like, you guys space. need way more evidence. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, she's this like, you're, you're not considering you guys are, the most basic things. You guys things. are nuts. I'm about to vote you out the circle. She even considered the impact that galactic collisions would have on the evolution of galaxies. Beatrice considered the evolving chemical composition of galaxies as a component stars synthesize new elements. In 1986, the American Astronomical Society established the Beatrice M. Tinsley Prize for outstanding creative contributions to astronomy or astrophysics. Oh. There That's is no amazing. restriction on citizenship or country of residence. That's beautiful. I know. That's Ooh. That's Ooh. beautiful. What what a what a what a pinnacle. What and a I also height. like that they pretty quickly did that after her death. That was in within like five years. They were like, all right, there's not gonna there there are probably other minds like hers, and it's usually for women as well that they are awarding these to. So they're like, who else is Who's doing this? I was like, just, I was about to say also, I'm glad that, you know, for as many episodes as we've done, sometimes the women don't get acknowledged. <laughs> like, you know, their achievements get swept under the like rug. Ever. And then yeah. like, yeah, she dies and like, they don't edit her, they don't edit it, you mm -hmm. know, her work, her, her work mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. You know, they give her, they name an award after her. Um, mm -hmm. I know there's a couple more things too, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. just from the morning morsel yeah. that I work on off that Twitter page that y'all should be checking in. <laughs> The University of Texas created a visiting professorship in astronomy in her honor called the Beatrice M. Tinsley Centennial Visiting Professorship, in which a distinguished mid-career or senior professor is invited to visit for up to an entire semester for guest lecture, which is a long time for a guest professor. And especially, I feel like they were like, sorry. Yeah, our bad. <laughs> Hey, can you come back? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> in 2007, they even added the Tinsley Scholars, where they award younger researchers for their contributions. Her father, Edward Hill, wrote a memoir of her life. It's called My Daughter Beatrice, a personal memoir of Dr. Beatrice Tinsley, astronomer. Yeah, as we should just get all the all the books and information out there about her, mm -hmm. you know. 
biographies, yeah. everything. This Good. memoir is a more in-depth glimpse into her early years that most publications don't author. What? Don't offer. So that's a nice look into, like, how she grew up, who she was as a kid. How she became the way she was. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe how, yeah. her adventures, you know, when she was traveling the world. It, does, it doesn't talk so much about her scientific side. It's more of a personal, in-depth look. It's very, it's very sweet. Um, I didn't read all of it. Didn't have time, but I read a lot of it. We should check it out. Yes. It sounds like. Yes. Okay. <laughs> in 2005, the Circa Theater in Wellington produced Bright Star, which was a play about her life. The Wellington Astronomical Society even had a telescope set up outside of the theater for viewing sessions on the wharf next to the Papa Museum. That is very cool. On multiple levels, and shouts out to them. Yeah, like I want that. What an that is amazing cool. experience. Like, oh, yeah, oof. using a telescope. Yeah, in just general. like part of. Oh yeah, telescopes. But to have that there as part, part of, of the of whole the, thing yeah, is even of, more yeah. like interactive. It kind of makes it makes her feel like a real person. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to like really make a, like a tangible experience. Right in. Yeah. In her yeah. life, mm-hmm. about her life, yeah. In 2010, the New Zealand Geographic Board named an actual mountain in her honor. Mount Tinsley is 1,537 meters tall and sits in the Kepler Mountain of Fjordland. The Kepler Mountains are named for the astronomer Johannes Kepler. Yes. And I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, that's... I feel like you knew that based on... Bits of research you've done. Well, but. yes. And and also, I feel like that's how you know you've made it. Like, you know, you get, you like, know. stars on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> you know, you can get your nice house. You know, all these things. You know, clothing line, whatever. Like, but how many have people a have a mountain named here? after them? Ugh. Uh, Incredible. You know. Shouts out New Zealand. Shouts out mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Shouts out Earth, you know. Mm, Earth science. <laughs> Where are you at? In 2012, the Royal Astronomical Society of New Zealand established the Beatrice Hill Tinsley Lectures and asteroid 3087 Beatrice Tinsley is obviously named after her. Yeah, so that's... she's got a mountain and she's got she she has a piece of space and a piece of earth named after her. That's that's the one I that's the one I knew about also the asteroid. I think that is that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That is I mean, yeah, she deserves it. If anyone deserves it, it's this woman. And what's incredible to me is that like she was she just I mean, like Dale had said, she came out the gate and was like, you're going to hear me. Yeah, you're going to hear me and I'm going to show you. I'm going to I'm going to show you what the world is. actually. You're going to hear me roar. (laughs) Honestly, get out. A poem that Tinsley wrote when she knew death was imminent was read at her funeral, and I'm going to leave you with it. Quote, Let me be like Bach, creating fugues till suddenly the pen will move no more. Let all my themes within of ancient light of origins and change and human worth, let all their melodies still intertwine, evolve, and merge with ever-growing unity, ever without fading, ever without a final chord. Till suddenly, my mind can hear no more. That's so beautiful. Ugh. She she is she has such a way with words. In addition Gosh. to being a genius, she's just a freaking crazy genius. smart astrophysicist extraordinaire. <laughs> um, wow. And you know, it's it's like 
she did so much f- um for our understanding of literally she completely changed the course of how we explore galaxies again bringing it back to before computers could run on an algorithm before you could just input xyz into a computer and have it do it for you she was out here like well i'm pretty sure that the galaxy would do this this and this at this rate of expansion and you're like you're saying a lot of words and i i might don't be, know what to say <laughs> i might be intimidated also because of the time period and i'm a man and at this point we don't really think you know like what she did also like in addition to her education like you know mm-hmm. her um excelling the education field um scholar yeah not excelling uh advancing the that um as a scholar in the Mm -hmm. education field she did it by challenging the status quo too by being the only woman like most of the time i mean the first professor like yeah like yeah she did that all while kind of fearless too mm -hmm. i think it's something a theme that comes back and it's what her her dad said a lot about her was that and and i said it a few times is she questioned everything and challenged everything you know and not in a combative sort of way she was just like well why can't i if you don't want me here that's fine i'll i'll find somewhere that does want me and she's just like continually challenging and being like look i know what i'm doing i know we can do this and you know all, all of that but yeah she wow just oh man cancer sucks queen of the cosmos though queen, i mean she truly. she lives perpetually through her work mm-hmm. um you know through or like we said earth science mm-hmm. you know in space and in time mm-hmm. i mean we're talking about her now mm-hmm. but she also exists in numerous forms and is an inspiration to mm-hmm. generations, mm-hmm. not just for women, but for astrophysicists, oh. astro- astrophysicists, but also just anybody. yes, to women though, because this is a, you know yeah. this is that's that is the aim of our podcast, right? right? Is to highlight and you know um, identify yeah. these women who are making their mark mm-hmm. uh, for yeah individuals. Yeah, she's so dead. She she just changed the course of <laughs> the universe. Science. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, I. Wow, just incredible. I wish it feels like she lived to way longer than 40, right? Like how? How? No, yeah. honestly, it doesn't <laughs> feel like she, it, it feels it cuz if she had lived past 40, we would be like we'd be living in space. She would be I mean, yeah, she would be <laughs> she would be like you're she, all idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. She'd be like you guys don't even like you guys are ruining science for me. Like I wanted to be an astrophysicist and you guys are just you guys want to build a space colony in a space force. Like what was all my work for? Like why did I have to fight equality? Like, like, you know, fight for equality, uh, you know, yeah. gender equality <laughs> and, you know, the right to speak. And then you guys are going to talk and use your turn to say something stupid. <laughs> Why did I show She's up? probably up there shaking her head at us. Beatrice Tinsley She's left the chat. In the, you know, oh, my like, God. You're full of circle references that today. That's the second one and only <laughs> other one that I'll make for the rest of the episode. Doubt. <laughs> Thank you, historians, for tuning in again. I hope you guys stuck through that sad bit in the middle there and really came through to the end. She's an incredible woman, so I hope you guys enjoyed this story. Come back this Friday for an interview with singer-songwriter Megan Poulis. 
In this interview, she shares with us the concept behind her upcoming album, finding confidence in her music, exploring collaborations, and what emo positive actually means. It's a good one. I'm it's excited. A fun one. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you you wouldn't tell me what it was. You wouldn't That's let me true. Google it. <laughs> you won't let me Google it, so I have to wait. That's fine, though. <laughs> Follow us on social media, Twitter. At the Her Story Pod. Instagram. At Women of Her Story Podcast. Facebook. Women of Her Story. TikTok. At Her Story Podcast. And visit our website at ofherstory.com backslash Domino's Pizza. <laughs> I wish we were sponsored by Domino's. Intent. <laughs> Domino's, are you listening? Papa John's. <laughs> Few years. We're also. so trash. We're in New York City and we're like <laughs> talking about these big nationwide chains. I don't want to put anyway. it on the local pizzerias to have to do that. True, That's so much true. Free, you right, know? right, it's right. A hard time That's still. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Papa John's has enough money. <laughs> Until Friday, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Be safe. Um, bye. Thank <laughs> you.